It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We need to start acting like a big boy football. It's time for the jet pack to die. You're listening to Weapons Hot on Sports War Radio and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Charnel fires one into the end zone. It is caught. That's a jet touchdown. And now here is your host. DJ, the painkiller, and Kevin Jackson. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Sports War Radio, Snowman, Digital Media, and quite frankly, any place where you can get your New York Jets fix. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, CJ, the painkiller, D. Simone. I'm joining you here tonight. And as you can see by my panel, unfortunately, one of my co-hosts, Mr. Kevin Jackson, Unfortunately, could not make it tonight as he had a family issue that he is tending to. We wish him the best and we hope that everything is okay. But in the meantime, we do have a couple of other people that I do plan to introduce. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me introduce my new right seater for this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Jimmy. The Reaper Jardine! Cause all we are is entertainment, Kevin! Tell us what to say and what to do! Reaper, what's going on, man? How you doing tonight? I love that, man. I just get goosebumps every time I get that intro, brother. I can't thank you enough for all of that. Uh, first and foremost, uh, much love out to Kevin and his family. We know you're dealing with it. We're here for you, brother. Whatever you need, let us know. Um, I'm having a great night, man. Uh, I, I can't I can't get over this NFC Championship game, and I'm still pretty pissed off about it. But it is what it is. We're going to have a great show for you tonight. We got some hot takes. We got we got a bunch of stuff coming, guys. Be ready. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I think it is time now to bring on our very special guest who you see at the bottom of the screen. And I've got some very special music keyed up for him because that's the way we do here on Weapons Hot. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Brian Snow. You had to pull that one out of the archives. I love it. I absolutely love it. Those are my sat. Those are my Saturday afternoons. Now, as far as Tom Brady supposedly being the greatest, <clears throat> I uh, beg to differ. I don't care how many Super Bowls he wins. I don't care how many Super Bowls he appears in. I've made this argument. And I will continue to make this argument. Everybody wants to, oh, but he's going to win his seventh Super Bowl. Actually, no, he's not, number one. He is going to host it near his home, but he's not the first to come close to doing that. Because the first to come close to doing that, a fellow war number 16 and uh, Candlestick Park was supposed to host the Super Bowl in 1984, but the turf was bad. So they moved it to Stanford. And of course, I'm talking about the one and only Joe Montana. And um, yeah, I will put to rest why Montana is the greatest 
over Brady. There are two goose eggs that are on Montana's record. No losses in the Super Bowl and no interceptions in the Super Bowl. Period. End of argument. Carry on. I'm finishing my pancakes. <laughs> well, all right. Well, well, that being said, look, I'm going to give my thoughts on the NFC Championship game real quick. I know it's not Jet-related news, but look, I mean, it was a good game. Uh, unfortunately, you know, things did not go the way of the Green Bay Packers. I know that uh, one of my coworkers and a very good friend of mine, uh, Mrs. Uh, Lacey Sizemore, is going to be very upset. So I'm sure that when she gets back to work, she is going to be in. <laughs> she's going to be in rare form, and I'm sure uh, it'll it'll be fun to to uh, to listen to all of that. So See, that's when Lacey, you hide. I thought of you today, and I'm sorry. That's when you, you know? hide. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so, but that's anyhow, when you get, it is what that's it when is. You Tampa get the hell Bay out of the way. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it is what it is. Tampa Bay is going to the Super Bowl. So you know, we'll just we'll we'll leave it as it is. So, and now, you know, getting to more Jet-related news. This past Thursday, and I'm sure, you know, a a lot of Jet fans had their eyes glued to the uh, New York Jets feed as we introduced our brand new head coach, Mr. Robert Sala. Brian Snow knows him very well, former uh, San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. So, Brian, again, there was also another reason why I wanted you on the show this evening is because I wanted to hear your thoughts uh, about Robert Sala, given the fact that he's been D.C. of the 49ers for a little bit, a team that you follow very closely. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on that matter. But first, I want to turn the mic over to Mr. Jimmy Jardine. Reaper, talk to me, brother. Did you get goosebumps with that uh, with with uh, the, that press conference like I did, especially with the fact of uh, you know <laughs> all gas no break? You know what I goosebumps from start to finish. We initially right off the bat, the the biggest thing that we could take away from that before any questions were asked as these guys are sitting down and they're getting, you know, they're getting situated. I didn't see a single crazy eye in the whole press conference. Mm -hmm. And that's big time. That is big time. Um, I got goosebumps uh, for, for two reasons, CJ and, and, and snowman. I, I think you might be able to agree with me on this one. The first and foremost, the biggest question was asked to Chris Johnson directly first to kick the whole thing off. The New York Jets power structure has officially been changed. It is now the GM reporting to owners, coaching staff reporting to GM. And that is the biggest news for the New York Jets in the last decade. I think I said something along those lines last week, but it's highlighted as of right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second reason that I got goosebumps and goosebumps and not really in a way that most people got them, right? I love the all gas, no break. I love it. And to hell with you, Buffalo, for trying to steal that slogan on Twitter today get out of here with that. That's ours, period. Just like Philadelphia tried to steal gangrene. Like, no, no, those are ours. But I got goosebumps from what was not said rather than what was said. So Sala was being asked about players like Quinn and Williams. And Sala said, I can't wait to unleash him next year. I can't wait to just let him loose, let him play, let him do his thing. 
And then on the flip side, what was not said is when asked about Sam Darnold, he, he said, well, you know, it's pretty early. We have to evaluate. There's still a lot of evaluations. We haven't even got together yet. So it's premature. Right. So it's what wasn't said that was a big time key for Jets fans, regardless of where you stand on the Sam Darnold issue, regardless of where, whether you want Deshaun Watson, regardless of whether you want to draft a quarterback at two, no matter what, that was something that should have sparked a big time, big time interest in your thought process for what was not said rather than what was said. So I think Salah did an amazing job. I think um, Chris Johnson finally had to swallow his pride and say, you know what? I'm just going to let the football guys deal with the football responsibilities. And I think it was a great press conference and I'm ready to go. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I was incredibly uh, encouraged by the press conference, but you know what, you know, I had been uh, encouraged by other press conferences in the past. And I know I hate to bring up these names, but I was a little bit encouraged when we hired Todd Bowles and you know what, I kind of sort of had to talk myself into Adam Gase when he was hired that, okay, these guys must see something that everybody else doesn't. And, you know, little, little did we know it was a complete, you know, and, and utter failure. Um, you, you know, also when other GMs have, have spoken, you know, the last couple in, you know, especially in particular on um, Mike McCagnin, uh, John Idzik. Okay. And now, you know, now most recently, you know, Joe Douglas, who seems to really have a solid plan in place and is not just really like flying by the seat of his pants. So for me, you know, that's a big deal. And, and another thing too, is the fact that I, I like that he is committed to the development of the players and he is committed to going out there and getting every single drop of usability of talent out of the players that we have on this roster, which is a great thing because I just feel like that the entire season we found ourselves coming up here on this broadcast and saying how we felt like certain players were criminally underutilized. Oh, we felt like there were just players who, who should have had more of an impact that didn't. We saw Adam Gase's offense or Daryl Loggins offense, which basically consisted of Frank Gore and nothing else. So needless to say, I digress. So, but I went into this press conference, you know, listening to everything that uh, Mr. Sala had said. And again, I was cautiously optimistic. You know, it seems like that they're sending out a message and they're letting everybody know that playtime is over, that the New York Jets in the future are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And that as I keep banging my hand on the desk, that I keep saying that I want MetLife Stadium to be a place of fear for the rest of the NFL. So I'm sure hoping that that's exactly what he has in mind. So, you know, uh, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's just funny that here we are again at, at the beginning of another Jets offseason, okay? Again, looking to the future, again, hearing the two words, if and hope, and there's been a lot of different ideas kicked around. I also like the fact that he was noncommittal to Sam Darnold when he was asked a couple of different times. And as a matter of fact, I even applaud Joe Douglas when he was on the Michael K show shortly after the presser and both Michael K and Don LaGreca were really hammering him in specifics about the future of Sam Darnold and also about the Deshaun Watson situation, which we are going to talk about later on in tonight's broadcast. But I do want to turn the floor over to Mr. Brian Snow 
if you could, please give us a little bit of insight about Mr. Sala and what Jet fans can expect from him. Well, it's simple. All gas, no break. If anybody paid attention to what the 49ers did in their Super Bowl year just a, just a year ago, um, they were top five and their, their defense was top five. Their attitude and their energy was always, always going. And what I like most about uh, Robert Sala is the fact that not only did he stick with the players that were there and the ones that they brought in for 2019, but the players also stuck with him. Because after the end of the 2018 season, there was so much talk around Robert Sala being fired and Kyle Shanahan put the kibosh on that and said, no way, this is my guy. This is my defensive coordinator. That's who I'm keeping. And if you don't like it, then, oh, well, you don't have to, you don't have to follow us. And being a 49er insider, um, basically since 2002, it's beautiful to see. It was beautiful to see, to have the players stick with him just as well as he stick with the players. So that's one big thing that the Jets are getting, a lot of loyalty, all right? This is the right guy for the job. And I'm going to eliminate the words if and hope out of the equation and just basically say you guys you you guys got the right man to lead the New York Jets. Now I am begging the front office of the New York Jets to do one thing and one thing only. Leave Robert Sala alone and let him coach. Don't stick your nose or your think <clears throat> Okay, I got to bring out the right person. Don't put your fingers or your toes or your nose or whatever where it doesn't belong, okay? Now, these are the New York Jets that you're getting now. I want one day for MetLife Stadium to host a watch party when we win the, God, I won't, don't want to say these words, but I'm going to say them, Super Bowl. I want a Super Bowl now. I don't want to clean house again. <clears throat> Thank you, Joe. But <laughs> Thank you very much for the wonderful Joe Beningo impression, Mr. Snow. Bravo. Thank you. Thank Bravo. You. Bravo. So I told you, I got hooked on Joe the first time I heard his voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did to an extent, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Beningo, uh, one, one of the, the classic New York Jet fans who we all uh, watch and listen to from, from, uh, from time to time. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. So, but nevertheless, you know, as, as we continue to move forward, uh, I think that the biggest message that was being hammered home, especially from both Coach Salah and also General Manager Joe Douglas, is that. This is a new era of Jets football. They're going to be doing things differently. Now, sidebar, Woody Johnson is now back in the United States, and he is set to actually uh, start, you know, taking, uh, taking over somewhat day-to-day -day operations. And what it, right. And here, here's the thing that I want to kind of – Give give every single Jet fan out there just a little bit of pause. All right. 
Woody Johnson is not going to walk up to Joe Douglas and tell Joe Douglas to go sign X, Y, and Z player. Because Joe Douglas could very well turn around and say, well, how, do, how has it been working out for you the past uh, 10 plus years when you go out and we go sign X, Y, and Z player? Did that 20 work? 20 years. Right. 20 years. Yeah. So, and the answer to that question is no. So I think that Woody Johnson right now, I'm sure that he and he and Christopher have had a long talk. And I'm sure that Christopher has probably told him, look, the way things have been going for the past decade plus has not worked. We need to try it this way. Hence the change in the power structure where they went back to an NFL traditional power structure. That was the first, the, the first good move. The second good move is when Christopher Johnson at the end of the year actually admitted failure. When have you ever had a pro football franchise owner step up to the mic and say, this was my fault and we need to fix this. Christopher Johnson did that. Maybe not exactly in those words, but he admitted failure. He admitted failure with the Adam Gase hire. He admitted failure with the Mike McCagnin fire. Although Mike McCagnin deserved to be fired a while back, but I'm not going to get into that garbage. Okay. So nevertheless, we are now starting to see a little bit as a Jets fan, the changing of a guard. And the thing is, is that now like Jet fans are, are starting to get like a little bit antsy. They're starting to get a little bit like, well, we could, we could do this and we could do that. And, the, and especially with the Deshaun Watson situation, which again, we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. Right now, the only thing that we need to do is we need to focus on getting the rest of Robert Sala's coaching staff in place, which it looks like that they have. I think that they just hired their defensive coordinator, and he just named his defensive staff. Um, I'm sure Jimmy will probably have those coaches up in in in, uh, in a moment, so we'll be able to uh, to to go ahead and take a look at that and and discuss some of those, but. Mr. Snow, again, I'm going to throw this back to you because one more uh, question that I have for you in regards to Coach Sala. You covered a great deal of points. All right. Now, in your honest opinion, could you see him being the New York Jets head coach for a not just the foreseeable future, but to the end of this contract and beyond? Do you think that he has what it takes? To, to, to get the, the job done, or, or in my words, to slay the dragon. As long as the front office shuts its mouth and lets him coach, lets him do his thing. Because when he was hired by the 49ers at the time, the GM was Trent Baalke, and we all know how that ended. So after Trent Baalke was told, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back anymore. Mm-hmm. Then you saw the pieces fall into place as long as, and, and that's been the tradition of the 49ers anyway. Okay. Let the coaches coach. We do what we do up here. They do what they do down there. That's why Carmen policy and Eddie DeBarlo and company were so successful for some 25 years. Now the jets need to take a lesson and say, we let them what they do on the field. We do what we do up here. And we take their suggestions. And I say suggestions all in caps and mm-hmm. underline it. Okay? Suggestions right, but does suggest- not mean good moves. Right. Suggestions does not mean 
good moves. Does the name Frank Gore mean anything to you? Does the move of letting Robbie Anderson go mean anything to y'all? Just no, well, let well, the on-field well, coaches to, do that. It, it means something to us because, you know, we ended up replacing Robbie Anderson with Rashad Perryman who couldn't, who couldn't stay healthy. So, but. Couldn't catch a doggone thing. Couldn't even catch a cold. But yeah, that's the big thing. That is I'm what still, has to happen. Yeah, I'm still on the Robert or the Robbie Anderson is a one trick pony thing, and I'll, I still stand by that because he did good in Carolina this year for sure. But he's still a go route player that mm-hmm. needs to be doing a three cone drill every day in between every game <laughs> to improve that. So that's my thoughts on Robbie. All right. So. <laughs> So now another question here that, I, that I'm going to ask you. Talk to me about Michael Floor, uh, who is actually going to be taking over as the offensive coordinator with the New York Jets. Um, yep. Are, are we going to see a, a, a little bit of the, uh, the the Kyle Shanahan offense being brought in in the green and white? Do you see possibly maybe a heavy run presence? Do you see maybe a play out? Or do you see some play action? What is it that you can see offensively that Michael Floor brings to the table? If you get the horses and you get the offensive line, you're going to see the exact copy of Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I'm going to make a reference that's going to, I don't know, make some Tampa fans angry and make some Green Bay fans angry. But who's the godfather of the West Coast offense? That's right. The late, great Bill Walsh, who had mm-hmm. Mike Holmgren as an offensive coordinator, won a Super Bowl. He had... Mike Shanahan, actually, Mike Holmgren won one, two, three Super Bowls. Mike Shanahan was an offensive coordinator for the 49ers. He won a Super Bowl, 1994. So in this entire time that the 49ers have been on top of the mountain and they're making their way back to the top of the mountain, sorry, Tom Brady, hate to disappoint you next year, there's always been a run-heavy presence in the West Coast offense. The people that think they can throw the ball 65 times, Aaron Rodgers, and actually think you can get somewhere, it's not going to work. The running game of the Jets must come alive. They must get an offensive line because if you get the offensive line and you get the horses in the backfield, man, you can run all day. Just look at what the 49ers did to the Packers in the NFC Championship last year. And there was no running in this NFC Championship this year, none. There was no significant running, and I feel that's finally going to undo Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, but I'll talk about that in two weeks. But there's, you got to run, you have to run the football. And I don't mean with old ass Frank Gore, who I dearly love. He was a great running back for a long time. Get some young horses in there and pound the rock. Yeah. Amen to that, especially, you know, with the fact that one of the things that uh, the New York Jets, if you go and take a look at the 2008, 2009, 2000, 2009, 2010 teams, both teams that went to the AFC championship games, what are the biggest things that those teams had in common? They had the number one offensive line in the league. Exactly. They they had the number one offensive line in the league. They had the number one rushing attack in the league. And they also had the number one defense in the league. So you quarterback. And one of the times, really one of the years they went to the Super Bowl, 
And one of the years they went to the Super Bowl, I want to say this was, they went to the uh, AFC Championship, I beg your pardon, they outrushed the AFC West champion, San Diego Chargers. Yes. They beat them at their own game and held the Chargers to seven points. Mm-hmm. And it's the San Diego Chargers, not this Los Angeles Chargers blank that I keep seeing. <laughs> I think one of the things that people forget with how the Jets offense has been run for the last two years is you can't, even in the, the air raid era of the NFL, you can't set up a run with the pass. You have to set up the pass with the run. And exactly. that's... That's Thank it. you. I've only been saying this for what? Yeah. Maybe seven, eight years, and everybody looks at me. CJ, you know nothing about football. You, you don't you know, know anything about football. <laughs> well. I get it. I get it. It just get doesn't it. work. I've, I said the same. I said the same thing. The 49ers got it right. They mm-hmm. ran the football all year. Last year, think of the early days of the 49ers dynasty. And this is what really gets on my nerve. I have two names for you that solidify their running game. I'll give you uh, actually three that solidify their running game in the 80s and the 90s. And none of these three are in the Hall of Fame. Ricky Waters, Tom Rathman. Yep. yep. And the one that gets on my nerve the most that should have a gold jacket already. Roger Craig. Yeah. 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 I can't, uh, I, I can't really, de- I can't really debate that. I mean, Roger Craig was a good powerful runner. I mean, even for, even for a guy, his size, you know, he was just, he was like a bowling ball out there. And, you know, uh, in some circles, he was even compared to, to uh, Ricky Sanders with his elusiveness, but Yep. Barry Sanders yep. was not yep. one of those guys who was going to hit the who was going to hit the hit the hole and somebody was going to come flying out of it and it wasn't going to you know it, it wasn't going to be him it was going to be whatever defensive back decided to put their head down you know in, in that hole to try to to make the mistake of trying to stop him you know and that's the kind of runner the Jets need that's the kind of running game the Jets need don't uh this is from me watching football in the in the seventies and the eighties, uh, I covered I've covered the 49ers for many years. Seen the Chicago Bears do it. Seen uh, the Washington Redskins do it. Mm-hmm. Don't go with this one back offense that Green Bay made the mistake of doing today. Will you get a fullback in motion, please? Well, I think Aaron how Jones the 49ers hurt, though, right? kill, How the 49 I go back to the 49ers last year. How the 49ers kill everybody in the NFC? They ran two backs. Not one. <laughs> no, I, I like running back by committee. Because, it's not about yeah. stats. Yep, about because there's still the because there's still a position that I love watching called a fullback. And I love mentioned and I just man. mentioned Craig Hayward, baby. I just meant yeah. I, I just mentioned a fullback, Tom Rathman. You want to know another mm-hmm. fullback who should be in the Hall of Fame right now? Daryl the Moose Johnston. Keith yeah, Byers. Daryl Johnson. What about Keith, Keith Byers? Byers? So I like Keith thing. Byers. I mean, Keith Byers send it, spent his final days as a New York Jet, I believe. Uh, what was it? Yep. 99? Um, when, 99. When he played, when, when he played with, uh, with, with Parcells for a little while. I mean, you know, it, yep. it's 
Keith Byers was always one of those guys. It was, he was, uh, he, I always thought he was underutilized because he had such great hands. Uh, could catch a ton mm-hmm. of stuff out of the backfield and so on. It, it, it's always a good thing. So, you know, one, one of the things that I would like to see is, you know, some prospective uh, uh, free agent fullbacks come in or the possibility of actually converting Trayvon Wesco to an actual fullback full time instead of him having, you know, instead of him having tight end duties where, you know, it, it always could be frustrating when a player has to play two different positions because sometimes you're, you're, you're playing away from their talents. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, we are getting about up against it. So uh, when we come back right after these commercial messages, we are going to talk about the Deshaun Watson situation. I got something for to you be, guys. Uh, to be or not to be. And also, I'm going to get your comments on the air. So everyone who is in the comments is currently watching. Please continue to drop your comments in there. As soon as we get please, back, we will get do. them back in. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you guys on the flip side. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Weapons Hot on New York Jets Fan Broadcast. Here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Sports World Radio, Snowman Digital Media, and quite frankly, any place where you get your New York Jets fixed. So, as I promised on the flip side of the break, I do want to get some of these comments on the air before I turn the mic over to Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine, uh, who is actually going to go through the uh, New York Jets defensive hires. And then we're going to get back to Snowman as I can pick his brain on some of these defensive hires and uh, coaching hires and see if he can tell us anything. So shout out to Jeff Stenberg. This is the perfect time for a Jets podcast. They have no idea what the AFC championship is. Uh, Jeff, you used to be such a good kid. Uh, In regards to Brian Snow's uh, little Tom Brady rant, uh, Jeff Stenberg also uh, also replies, dumbest Tom Brady argument ever. Get out of here. Come on, man. So I'm going to let him... I'm going to let him handle that one when, when yeah. he gets back over there. Shout out to Declan Krogman from the, uh, from the sports hit list. Also on the worldwide sports radio network, tuning in. For hey, a little Declan. Bit. Wow. You guys are talking jets when there's an AFC championship game taking place and your rival is in it. So and he, uh, he chimes in, he says, that's commitment brother and commendable. And I told him, I said, we just really don't care. <laughs> this is a Jets show, baby. This is a exactly. jet show. Uh, shout out to Joshua Kyle, host of the uh, the Off the Mat podcast, also again on a Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, in my regard, it, 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 in response to my com- my uh, my uh, teasing comments about uh, Deshaun Watson, there is no case against Watson. Period. Uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to Bill Robinson. Amen to the Super Bowl. If Johnson wants to sell tickets and not have more than half half of home games uh, with other teams, fans stay out. So he needs to mind his own business. Amen to that, Billy. Uh, and in regards to the running back situation, when we were talking about the um, uh, the West Coast offense and Brian was giving us a little bit more insight, uh, he says, we need to get somebody like a Thomas Jones. Now, in response to that, we, pros- we possibly could get somebody like a Tevin Coleman, uh, possibly on the cheap. Uh, there also are some other uh, free agent running backs out there that can be had. So... There are going to uh, 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 what you call it. They are going to be. There's going to be some interesting choices. 
Because again, now here, here's where we actually segue into the, the case for Deshaun Watson and the case against Deshaun Watson. In the NFL, there are several teams who are going to have to dump very valuable players just to get under the NFL salary cap. So there are going to be some names that are going to be on the free agent market that you probably would think would never, ever in anyone's lifetime would ever hit the free agent market. But because of the flat cap this year, we have COVID-19 to thank for that, which believe it or not, could end up being a blessing in disguise for gangrene. Absolutely. We, we need to kind of take a little bit more of a prudent approach in regards to free agency and also the way how we approach the Deshaun Watson situation. And I'm going to explain to you why. Reason being is because with Deshaun Watson, you know that we are going to have to give up a minimum of three first round picks. That's the going rate that's being talked about. Every NFL analyst that is out there is saying that it will take a minimum of three first round picks in order to land a Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans. There was also some stuff that I have seen put out there about somebody saying, put Quinn and Williams in a trade package, putting Makai Becton in a trade package, which makes absolutely zero sense why somebody would actually say that. But it is out there. Go and take a look. They make my and head hurt, CJ. They make it, my head hurt. You know, just some of the of the lunacy that we are starting to see in the social media arena in regards to what some fans think that would be an appropriate price regarding draft capital, regarding trading, uh, trading players for Deshaun Watson is just completely mind-numbing at this point. CJ, so, can I can I say something just real sure, quick? Jimmy, I'm, I'm 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 curious to hear your thoughts about that, and then I want to turn the mic over to Snowman because I'm curious to get his thoughts on this as well. No, I want you to finish that thought. But what what I've been noticing in in the social media world, and this is this is what just absolutely infuriates me about this whole situation, is we have speculated trade value for Deshaun Watson. Okay, and I'm going to talk about a lot of this coming up, but we have speculated trade value. Okay, now you get somebody that says, don't do it. It's too expensive capital-wise, even, even money-wise when they don't understand what the salary cap is or what Deshaun Watson would actually cost the Jets right now. They don't understand it. They say, no, it's too much. No, it's too much. And then as soon as someone like, like me or you or you know anybody who is trying to shed some light on the situation, as soon as they come out with the actual facts of what is going, what it is going to cost, money, cap, or uh, money pick wise, whatever the case may be, all of a sudden they have these people that are anti-trade for Deshaun Watson upping the actual cost into, into realms that have not been discussed or speculated on. So I've been talking to these people on social media. I would be okay with this many picks or anything. And then somebody go all of a sudden goes, well, yeah, you make good points, but four picks is too much. Nobody's talking about four picks guys. Stop trying to increase it to make your point when your point is invalid. So it, it's just, it's absolute anarchy in the groups. And it's just been infuriating me. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, man, but I, I just had to put that out there because people are just taking this and just running with it, man, to something that is so out of, out there 
that it's not even in the conversation. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, look, I've made it public uh, how I feel about the Deshaun Watson trade. And there's a part of me that wants the Jets to go all in and to go get him because I really just feel like that Sam Darnold is just not the guy. I think that he needs a a change of scenery. And I just don't think that he can be successful here in New York. I think that the New York Jets did him dirty from the moment that he walked in the door. He wasn't given the opportunity to succeed. He wasn't given the tools to succeed. And now he's damaged goods. So if you can go and you can get a a second round pick for him or you can get a first round pick for him, then by all means do so. But if you're going to, if you are going to work with Sam Darnold, then you have some serious questions that you need to answer about what you're going to do with the, with the number two pick. Now, that being said, the, um, the other point about not wanting Deshaun Watson is exactly what I just said. Are you making the decision to, to stick with Sam Darnold? Are we drafting a quarterback with the second overall pick? Is it going to be a Justin Fields? Is it going to be a Zach Wilson? Will it be a Mac Jones? So, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, as to whether or not what is going to transpire right now, Joe Douglas and the New York Jets cannot say boo about what's going on. And personally, to me, I think that the longer that the rumors and and, and this, that what this person thinks is the trade trade compensation, what that person thinks is the trade compensation or whatever. I think the new, this could actually play right into the New York Jets hands where they could probably get away with giving them two picks and making this a done deal. So I had went on a, uh, a forum. Uh, I, I believe it's a live rounds forum. Uh, Shout out to Simon Baccarella because I actually answered a question a, a question for him. Um, and just a, a real real quick sidebar before I go into my thought. Um, Kevin Jackson did give us a shout out in the uh, Facebook feed. He is currently on his way home from the hospital. Um, Love you, Kevin. Uh, so I, I've been interacting with him a little bit. Um, so he still has his family issue going on, but we're – Jax, we're thinking about you. We hope everything is good. Just, you know, keep the faith and we're here if you need us. So just um, a shout out to him. So nevertheless, um, now in, in regards to what's going on with the, with the Deshaun Watson situation, I would just sit back and just be like, look, I, I made it a point to put in and uh, getting back to Simon Baccarella's um, uh, thing there. Uh, I made it a point to just sit there and just say, look, I'll just flip Seattle, the first round picks that I got from, from Seattle, throw Sam Donald in and that's it. So we'll give you Seattle's first from this year, considering you don't have a first this year because you gave it to you, you gave it to Miami for Larry Tunsil. OK, we'll give you Seattle's first round pick next year, which we're going to get. We'll give you Sam Donald because you're going to need a quarterback and we'll, we'll call it a day. So you want to throw an extra pick in? OK, we'll, we'll we'll throw in a seventh rounder for next year. Okay, there just to sweeten sweeten the pot. I'm not trading Quinnen Williams. I'm not trading Mackay Becton. I'm not trading Denzel Mims. Okay, so no just 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 knock it off. Yeah. All right, with with all of these ridiculous uh, you know trades, and then this analyst comes out and says that the Jets are not the first overall, uh, the uh, not the preferred destination for Deshaun Watson. That it's really Miami and so on and so <laughs> forth. Look. I'm going to say this, and I'm sure there are some people that are going to agree and going to disagree, and then I'm going to turn the floor over to Snowman because I'm curious to get his thoughts on the situation. 
I highly think that Miami is going to invest a ton of draft capital and punt on Tua Tagovailoa when they spent everything that they needed to last year to make sure that they get this kid. Because if they were to go and they were to say, now all of a sudden we don't believe in Tua, regardless of whatever the situation is going on in the, uh, in, in the locker room or, or with some players throwing him under, a, uh, uh, under the bus or whatever, you know, look, for the Miami Dolphins to pursue Deshaun Watson, although, yes, it would be a significant upgrade at the quarterback position, it would make them look foolish because then what did you waste the number five overall pick for last year in drafting to a tug of Iloa? You could have just stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your starter, okay, and used that pick on an offensive lineman or, or another position of need. So, Snowman, I'm curious to, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Tell me what you're seeing. First of all, these people on social media that think their analysts need to just shut up and read and actually do some deep diving into who, who's going where, because I'm going through this same thing with the team that I covered, the 49ers, with everyone saying we should trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm like, for what? You trade Jimmy Gar- Look, the 49ers got Jimmy G for... One pick. One. Okay? Yeah. Only problem with Garoppolo is that he hasn't been healthy. But who hasn't been through health trouble when you're playing a gladiator-type sport where one good hit could knock you out for a lifetime? Just ask Steve Young when Aeneas Williams hit him. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, that being, that being said, all these people in these forums that think they know everything and want to believe that they know everything about what the Jets should do, what the 49ers should do, what the Cowboys should do. Shut up, please. Especially now with coming out that, uh, uh, Sam Darn, with that uh, Matthew Stafford is leaving Detroit. And yep. <laughs> anybody who watches my show, they know my wife's a Colts fan. And my wife and I discuss football all the time. And the moment I mentioned Matthew Stafford, she gave me a look of death. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, and ladies and gentlemen, for anybody for anybody who 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 does watch the Snowman in the Morning Show, which I do, I I, I listen to him all the time on on my way to work. Um, let me tell you, his wife, Doctor K, she is a pistol, and if she is giving you the look of death, <laughs> she dude. Is. Be somewhere else, <laughs> like hey, in another state. You don't, under, I love under, it. You under, don't want that. Soil, you don't want the that heat. <laughs> Listen, wow. my wife and I have had plenty of football, plenty of football discussion, and look, Matthew Stafford to the Colts. Don't see it. They already drafted a quarterback. Okay, so what's the use? And I'll go back. I'll, I'll tie all this in. What's the use of the 49ers paying Jimmy Garoppolo? $73 million guaranteed for five seasons, and he's only been there for three. And then you're going to trade him for more picks and waste even more money on either Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford? That's stupid. That's absolutely stupid. As far as the Jets should go, Matt LaFleur will help Sam Darnold because I think it would be entirely stupid. I think it would be entirely stupid if they go all in and get Deshaun Watson and then Matt LaFleur takes a look at Deshaun Watson and goes, 
what do I do with him? I'm just thinking ahead. I'm just thinking ahead here from the years of me covering football. Mm-hmm. And it, it would be it, it would be great if the Jets could swing a deal for Deshaun Watson and only give up one, maybe two picks. That would be a steal. I don't see that happening. At the same time, you got a kid that's been done dirty by the New York Jets since he walked into the building because the wrong coordinator and the wrong coach was whispering in his ear that should not have been whispering in his ear in the first place. Now that you have a coach that come, that's going to come out guns a blazing and took his off and took the offensive coordinator from the NFC champions with him. Then I say, let Sam Darnold study under Matt LaFleur or Mike LaFleur because Mike LaFleur outsmarted Matt LaFleur last year okay so the pedigree is there the pedig- the pedigree is there just need the right coach okay and it's something that i've talked about a lot okay and cj you've heard me mention this on the show recently it's mm-hmm. the quarterback coach combination mm-hmm. it's the quarterback that, coach also, combination it, it, it also has to do with the offensive line too brian i mean look yep. we can Absolutely. we can take a look at it a team that is playing in the AFC championship game right now, the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being here during that game, guys, by the way. <laughs> yep. Actually, right now it is 14 to 9 with uh, uh, 4 15 uh, left in the second. Left in the second. Kansas City is up right now. And they have the ball. So, getting back to that, the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Josh Allen's first couple of years as a Buffalo Bill was an absolute nightmare. He was yeah. running for his life. Yeah. Okay. And the only reason, the, the, the only reason that he is in the topic of MVP conversation right now is because of three things. One, they spent $70 million on an offensive line that they were determined to get this kid protection. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number yep. two, they went out and they made a deal. However, raucous of a deal that they made. They made a deal to get him a number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs. Okay. And that's number two. Number three, they built and maintained a top 10 NFL defense overall. Okay. These are the three things, ladies and gentlemen, why Josh Allen is in the MVP conversation right now. Without those three things, Josh Allen is a scrub just like Josh Rosen. Just just like any other quarterback from that class that has failed up to this point. Yep. And I've been banging this on the desk for the past five years that the New York Jets need to rebuild that offensive line and that Mike McCagnin, the Jets right now are paying for Mike McCagnin's arrogance because when Mm -hmm. he had DeBrickishaw Ferguson and he had Nick Mangold, as part of that offensive line, he thought that those two guys were going to sit there and be there for the next five years. And he was wrong. DeBrickishaw Ferguson saw what was going on and said, deuces, I'm out. I'm out. Yep. And he retired. Nick Mangold, they decided to move on from without having a backup plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. The same the thing that caused the 49ers. That's the New York Jets offensive line. Yep. Okay, still lays at the feet of Mike McCagnin. Mm-hmm. Joe Douglas did what he could. And you want to say, hey, well, you know, he didn't do so well with his signing of Ryan Khalil. 
Okay, Dewey Nodi, but he talked the guy out of retirement. He took a yep. swing. Okay. He took us he took a flyer on him. Right. He he took he took a flyer on him. And it's so interesting that you that that you bring that up that the offensive line is laying at the feet of Mike McCagnan. The 49ers offensive line troubles were laid at the feet of Trent Balky. Because mm-hmm. every move they yeah. took, because think about the last five years before we kicked Balky out of the office. Every move that the 49ers tried to make to fix their offensive line was here's the magic word, vetoed yes. by Trent Balky. Yeah. Trent Balky is the reason the 49ers were dead last from 2013 to 2017 in the passing game and in offense. Right. 18, 19, uh, you can. 18, 19, and part of 20, they were in the top 10. Hell, 2019, when they won the NFC, they were top three. Why? The same reason I see the Jets doing the same thing if they fix the offensive line, because the Jets, the Bills, the Chiefs, any playoff team from the past two years had one common denominator, and that was they were able to run the football. Jimmy, how many times have I said this on the show? I mean, I know you've only been a, been a part of our crew for a short amount of time, but I, I've said this pretty pretty regularly, haven't I? Oh, I mean, I've and I I watched Weapons Hot for years before I was a part of it. You know what I mean? Like I I I love the show. Football. I love your I love your takes on it. I gotta I gotta bring a, a little bit of reality back into this conversation. Um, I feel because. So, man, I love you, man. I love your show. Uh, I think that there is some issues with what percentage of blame Sam Darnold actually has. And mm-hmm. oh, think, oh, no, he shares he he shares a fair amount of blame, Jimmy. Don't for real. Don't think, right. that, don't but, think but, that Sam Darnold walks out of this guy. No, because, no. Let me mm-hmm. tell you something. Okay, Mm-mm. I don't care if Mr. Magoo is your offensive coordinator, and we pretty much damn sure had it this past season. Okay, <laughs> no, after three years, you need to not make the same rookie mistakes over and over and over again. This is why yep. at the at the middle of this season, I was done. I, I was done. Uh, I saw all I needed to see from Sam. Yeah. I, oh, because you go on the Michael K show and you hear him every single day, every single interview, week after week. We have to play better. I have to do a better yeah. job of doing this. I have to do a better job of doing that. Okay, Mr. Ricochet. I'll be sure to pick up the bone the next time I see it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I dropped the bone again. Look, I, I mean, it. after a while, it's like, how much more of this it's garbage same, can you see? You see the it, kid it's is the shot. same thing. Uh, but but I have to say, I but I I have to say now this is this is the rant that I have been on in the Jets groups over the last few days. Okay, everybody is mm-hmm. like, the Jets did him no favors. You're right, the Jets didn't do him any favors. Right, but he also has to help himself. But and and I totally agree. And everybody says. Uh, well, Adam Gase is awful. I I just said his name and I apologize because I made a promise to myself. My New Year's resolution was to never speak that man's name again, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep. Going you made with a that. promise not to cuss, and you just cussed anyway, saying I Adam sure Gase's did, name. What's up with man. that, man? I, I sure <laughs> did, snowman. That's it. We lost another me, sponsor. Let me let me break this down for you guys, okay? Let me break this down for you guys. Sam Darnold played 27 games at USC. 
Sam Darnold mm-hmm. had top level coaching in USC. He had the yep. Pac-12, which was a weak conference outside of USC. Okay. 27 mm-hmm. games, still turned the ball over 37 times. 37 okay. times. That is not a coaching issue. That is a quarterback mechanics issue. He has played 38 games in the NFL. He has turned the ball over 59 times. So there are people out there that exactly that's a you problem. There are people in these Jets groups that they're, they're trying to tell me that Sam Darnold has more touchdown passes than he has interceptions. Yes. By six in three years, six, that doesn't take away from the fact that he's also fumbled the ball 20 times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all, and it also doesn't take away from the fact that he's also been hit multiple times over. I and haven't he seen holds the, game the ball entirely too long. I'll finish your sentence for you because it's the same thing Jimmy Garoppolo went through in his first full season as a starter before we lost him to mm-hmm. an ACL. Sam Darnold, he did it at USC. Held yes. on to yes. the football entirely too long. Yeah. You could he could see a he could see someone in his face and he'll still hold on to the football. If you see someone coming at you, and this is coming from a guy that has called football for 24 years. If someone's coming after you, will you please get rid of the football Throw it, and please. live to find another down? Mm-hmm. Just live to find another down. My, my and, and argument... don't try to make Right. And don't try to make these hero plays either. Because you try to make these you. hero plays. You, you, you just took the words out of my mouth. There were always times when we saw Sam Donald over the past couple of years where he's always trying to, like, win the game on one throw. He's always yes. trying to play hero mm-hmm. ball. And you know what? I mean, look, I know Dan Orlovsky's in, in, in love with him. He talks about the magical yeah. sloppiness and this, that, and the third. And look, I spent the entire offseason last year going toe-to-toe with people explaining to them that Sam Donald in year three was going to take that jump, that despite of Adam Gase, despite Daryl Loggins, yep. despite of everything, that he was finally going to be able to, to, to put the pieces together. And you know what? I was wrong. I sat up here and I ate mm-hmm. my plate of crow live on, live on Facebook, okay? And I, yep. ate, I took all the slings and arrows in regards to Sam Donald. And now I'm not ready to give him another chance. CJ, because I've point- seen I've seen everything that I can see from him. I just think that he needs to go to a different place yeah. with a different offensive system. Maybe sit for six eight games a year, a, a mm-hmm. year or whatever, two and years. try to absorb or or even two years. Okay, he he may be at this point maybe a backup in the NFL at best. At best, CJ, the at biggest best, thing because. The, the biggest difference, I'll, I'll interject real quick, and then I got to check off. The biggest difference between Sam Darnold giving the keys to the machine and Peyton Manning giving the keys to the machine, they never, stocked the, they never stocked the cabinets for Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold never progressed from his college days, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, Peyton Manning, they already were stocking, they already were stocking the barrel when he came in and Peyton Manning had his skills right right there, flipped the team from three and 13 to 13 and three. Big difference when you have the skills, number one, and number two, when you can do something Sam Darnold has not done correctly, gentlemen. And um, CJ, you heard me say, you heard me say this on my show many, many times over. Both of you guys have. What is the what is one of the biggest problems with Sam Darnold besides holding on to the ball too 
too long. The same thing I go through with Lamar Jackson. He cannot read a defense. Thanks. Nor was he taught to read an NFL defense correctly. He didn't this is have where Robert to... Sala has to come in. He Sam Darnold never had to read a defense because he's at USC. He was never mm-hmm. going against real defense. He was never he going was against never playing. He wasn't going he was, against men. He, he was wasn't never going playing. against men. Yeah, he wasn't playing he was, against he was, men. He was never <laughs> playing against Clemson defenses. He was never playing against like I, I don't even like put Ohio whatever State team defense. You want in there. Ohio State defense. Ohio State. Alabama defense. Ohio State. Alabama. He wasn't even. I'll give you this. I'll give you this one. Given this college bat. Given this past college football season, he wasn't even facing a defense that was not good, but turned out to be good, and that was Northwestern. He didn't even face that kind yeah. of defense. Yeah. He hasn't yeah. faced defense filled with men, and that has been the problem with Sam Darnold since he came into the league. That has been the problem with Lamar Jackson since he came into the league. And I am one of the few hosts that will say what is the problem with Lamar Jackson, even though he has a unanimous MVP under his belt because of his legs, not his arm. The same problem with Sam Darnold, and we're coming up against it. Take it, CJ. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, on our next segment, when we get back, we are now going to talk about the case for and the case against Deshaun Watson. Plus, we got a little tease for you guys, and the tease is for next week's show. So, sit tight. Don't you touch that dial. We will be right back right after these commercial messages here on Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Sports World Radio, and Snowman Digital Media. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Sports World Radio, and Snowman Digital Media. And now for the time that you've all been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking about it for quite a bit now. Jimmy and I have talked about it. We've talked about it on various different different Facebook groups, uh, the couple of group chats that we both belong to. It's time to talk about the case for and the case against Deshaun Watson. Jimmy, I'm going to turn the floor over to you, my friend. Give me the case for Deshaun Watson. Well, the case for Deshaun Watson and... Uh, thanks everybody for hanging out with us. We much appreciate it. I know we got the AFC championship going on right now. So we appreciate you guys being here. Um, the case four. let's talk about, let's talk about cash, cash money. There's no, there is no argument against it. Okay. Because 2021 now the cap floor, this is where, this is what a lot of people have to realize. Okay. The cap is at the floor right now for 2021 the cap will never ever according to the cba agreement you like shut up and give us the money (laughs) (laughs) sorry i I had to throw that in it was perfect (laughs) no my bad i'm sorry go ahead (laughs) i know i love it i love it (laughs) there there is no argument against it okay because the cap is at $176 million for 2021, which is the, the lowest it could ever go. Okay. So you signed Deshaun Watson in 2021. Houston is responsible for Deshaun Watson's remaining 
uh, signing bonus, which takes about $27 million off of what the cap actually, what the cap hit would actually be. So in 2021, Deshaun Watson only cost $11 million. No brainer at that point. Think about it like this, okay? If you were to franchise tag, not even franchise tag, if you were to pick up Sam Darnold's fifth-year option right now, he would cost $15 million for the 2021 season more than Deshaun Watson would cost for the 2021 season. That's insane. More than double. That is 150% what Deshaun Watson would cost the New York Jets for 2021. Yes, Deshaun Watson goes up in cost in 2022 and 2023, those two being the biggest cap hits that he's going to have, which is 30, 35 million in 2022, 37 million in 2023. But you're still talking about quarterbacks that are costing that aren't even in top five quarterbacks that are going to cost 40 million plus in the cap moving forward. Okay. Deshaun Watson is going to cost less than that. And he's a top three. He had better numbers than Patrick Mahomes did in 2020 with far less talent. There's no reason not to do it. Cash wise, your arguments are done. If you're trying to argue against Deshaun Watson for money, your arguments are done. Okay. Now let's talk about draft picks. As I said earlier, everybody's trying to like increase the number of ca- uh, of, of draft picks that it's going to cost to get Deshaun Watson. Number one, all of this is speculation anyway at this point. So you can't just add draft picks on to what the experts are actually saying as far as what it's going to cost. The, the consensus is three first round draft picks. I'm okay with that especially for somebody like Joe Douglas who could probably get it done for less than three first round draft picks. Yes, most definitely. But see, the thing is, is even if it does cost the three, let me ask you a question, CJ. If six months ago I said, CJ, I'm the Houston Texans. I want Jamal Adams and a first round draft pick and I'll give you Deshaun Watson. What do you say? Oh, I'm there. <laughs> you make that trade in a heartbeat. One thousand times out of a thousand. So I go to Jamal Adams' house, and I'm already packing before like the angels yeah. on the. I am packing his shit for him. I'm <laughs> like, brother, you going to Houston? <laughs> Time to take your ass on out of here. <laughs> you make that trade day in and day out. We are talking about three draft picks two of which we didn't have six months ago. So what is everybody complaining about? If we were to draft a quarterback, we're using a number one draft pick on a quarterback anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So really the argument is over two draft picks, two first round draft picks. That's what the argument is over. And you make that trade all day, every day, because you're getting a 25 year old guy who is proven to be an elite talent. He walks in here. Deshaun Watson signs with the New York Jets. Deshaun Watson walks in here. One Jets drive day one as the best quarterback the New York Jets have ever had in the history of the franchise, period. Better than Namath statistically. Yes, Namath won a Super Bowl. Deshaun hasn't. But statistically, Deshaun Watson, Watson walks into this franchise as the best quarterback we have ever had ever. 
The only other argument, well, what if he gets hurt? If you're talking about a player, like if you're if you're you thinking scared, if you're thinking scared, maybe he gets hurt. You cannot run an NFL franchise thinking somebody's going to get hurt. That could happen to a draft pick. That can happen to a vet. That can happen to anybody. You cannot base your entire decision-making process on what would happen if the guy got hurt, period, plain and simple. There's no other way around it. So three first-round draft picks, I am all for it, only because somebody like Joe Douglas, number one, could get it done for probably less, especially if we start getting into uh, the 2021 league year and Deshaun says, I want to play for Robert Sala. That price goes down. The price goes down. I'm not saying hold the the Houston Texans hostage, but the price does go down. Okay. So it's ours to lose. The other aspect is um, what if I, I just completely lost my train of thought. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, I, this, this thing has got me so heated. So, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts so far? Let me, let me collect myself here. What are you, what are your thoughts on this so far? This is the, the, the case that I have against Deshaun Watson. Let's hear it. And, and it's, it's pretty much plain and simple. So uh, before I get into that uh, really quick, Buffalo Bills, Kansas city chiefs at halftime, Kansas city with a 21 to 12 lead at halftime. Ooh, for those of you that care. That's right. Anywho. The, the whole purpose that I'm just saying that 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 the case against Deshaun Watson is I understand you're going to have to give up draft capital. Mm-hmm. I understand you're going to have to give up significant draft capital. The way that I look at it is like this. Give up the draft capital that you received in the Jamal Adams trade and and package Sam Donald with them. OK, I wouldn't I, do that. to Huh? I wouldn't do that to Sam Darnold, but I, I want to hear what you're having to say. I have, okay, a, well, I have a rebuttal. Well, to hear, the, the reason being is because they're probably going to want a quarterback. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll give you Sam Darnold. And then depending on whoever it is who's the head coach down there, whoever it is that they decide to bring in, I mean, right now they have requested secondary interviews with Eric Bieniemy and I believe somebody else. There was also some talk about Josh McCown possibly being brought in for for. Yeah. Uh, for a head coaching, uh, you know, for, for a, a head coaching interview, which I don't think is laughable, believe it or not. I think it's actually pretty good. Um, but I don't know if I would throw him in the pot of being a head coach. I'd maybe bring him in as like a quarterback's coach or, you know, offensive assistant coach or something like that. So he's really jumping into the deep end of the pool, but I digress. Yes. All right. But the, but the thing is, is that if, if, if you're telling me I got to give up number two this year, number 23 this year, and one of my picks next year, you know, plus, you know, a second rounder or a third rounder or whatever, mm-hmm. plus something else. No, no. If I'm Joe Douglas, I'm sitting on my hands and I'm like, you know what? This is the package we're willing to give you. Right. Take it or go kick rocks. Fair. Very simple. Yeah. Because you know what? If anybody else is going to mortgage their next three drafts, and this is, look, and mind you, I want people to understand my rationale on this, okay? It's probably already a foregone conclusion that the New York Jets are moving on from Sam Donald, okay? The fact that no one within the New York Jets organization has actually come out and said that right now is basically more of a political 
play to save face right now than anything. Robert Sala in his introductory press conference is not going to go up there and say that he thinks that Sam Donald stinks. Okay. okay. I see. Okay. okay. But he's going to go up there. He's going to give his, give his opinion so far on what he's seen and what he's been exposed to at this point. Mm-hmm. So everything that he's saying is completely politically correct. Okay. Now let's go behind the closed doors. That's when the cameras get shut off. That's when the microphones get shut off. Yeah. Okay. He may have a completely different point of view. For sure. He may say, I don't know if Michael Floor will be able to work with him. Michael Floor could also have the same thing. Joe Douglas could also have the same thing. Maybe mm-hmm. they have a plan. And plan A could be, we're going to draft a quarterback. And if we don't get the guy that we want, we're going to go to plan B. And then mm-hmm. we're going to have plan C. And then we're going to have plan D. This is the first time as a Jets fan where I can feel completely optimistic in the job that Joe Douglas is doing because he's got his scenarios of what he's going to do already pre-planned out. Right. If this happens, we're going to do this. If this happens, we're going to do that. If this happens, we're going to do the other thing. If this happens, we're going to do this, this, and this, a combination of this, this, and this, and this will all will piece together. Plus we'll do whatever it is that we need to, to work together to make this work. Right. Okay. Joe Douglas is the anti-Mike McCagnin, okay? If you go and take a look at how much money that Mike McCagnin had as his tenure as general manager of the New York Jets, do you realize that he could have bankrolled a third world country? The man had almost in upwards of $480 million of cap space at his disposal in the five years that he was GM. $480 million. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to wrap your brains around this. That's nine figures, guys. Okay. Because out of the $480 million, which Mike McCagnin was able to get from moves, free agent signings, et cetera, trades, cap space, renegotiation of contracts. We got one 10 and six season. One four and twelve season, two back to back five and eleven seasons, and then a four and twelve season. So four hundred and eighty million dollars essentially bought you one one above five hundred season. Okay, Joe Douglas is not going to make the same mistakes that Mike McCagnin made, and this is why I say. Let everyone keep flapping their gums about Deshaun Watson and what he's going to get on the open market and what the trade demands are and what the Houston Texans are going to do. Mm -hmm. Because Joe Douglas probably already has a chart in front of him that he's already made up his mind and said, I will pick up the phone and I will offer this. If they don't want it, maybe I'll offer this. If they don't want it, go kick rocks. And come back to me when you get a better offer. So that's fair. Because I can almost guarantee you that there is not going to be another team out there that is going to outbid the New York Jets with the amount of collateral that they have. Yeah. And get this. My case against Deshaun Watson. 
which is what I originally wanted to go into. Yeah, you just made a bunch of cases for him, but yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> if you decide that you're going to go all in on Sean uh, on Deshaun Watson, you will be subjecting him to the same situation that we currently have Sam Donald in. A subpar offensive line, not enough skill position players or weapons to get him there. And don't spam me free agency, spam me free agency, spam me all of that garbage. Because then you will not be able to build this roster competitively the way you would if you still had those picks. So to me, as much as I would like to get Deshaun Watson, I would get Deshaun Watson on my terms. And if I can't get him on my terms, then I go forward with my original plan. That's my point. And, and I have a rebuttal for that, CJ, because okay. I'm going to have to disagree Shoot. with you on that one. So That's okay. That's the reason why we uh, I'm opening this topic up to conversation 100%. because we, we are uh, – this is the, this is the reason why we're already already talking about this and mm-hmm. I'm sure I can see it but I'm I'm against it I mean if someone's so, gonna tell me like okay you flip like for me flip the Seattle picks throw Sam Donald in maybe throw a third rounder in or whatever next year or the year after and then just call it a day but I'm not going to mortgage my next two drafts with the amount of draft For picks sure. that we have to get one player. And that one player is only going to solve one problem on this, uh, on this football team when we have several that we need to address. For sure. Now, now one thing you have to remember is how the quarterback market in the NFL right now is shaping up. Okay. And you have to remember what, is available in the top three to five picks in the quarterback market for this year's draft. You have two quarterbacks, arguably three that are going to be all but guaranteed elite level talents. You got Trevor Lawrence, you got Justin Fields, you got Zach Wilson. Okay. I would not exile Sam Darnold to Houston. And the reason why is because our number two pick now everybody everybody focuses on the Seattle picks okay so and I brought it up myself I said okay well we didn't have two of these picks before six months ago with the Jamal Adams trade right and that's the whole reason why because in that point it's sort of like playing with house money you understand sure absolutely but what people are forgetting to remember is how valuable this number two pick is going to be now shout out to Simon Baccarella, Mr. Trade back mock draft guy. I love you to death, brother. But that number two pick, the Texans don't need Sam Darnold in this trade because that number two pick is going to be a franchise changer period, regardless of what they decide to do. Okay. Because obviously they're good. If they get rid of Deshaun Watson, they're going to take a quarterback. So they're going to get their choice at the number two pick. They're going to get Justin Fields. They're going to get Zach Wilson. Potentially, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, depending on what Jacksonville does. Okay. 
So there's huge options with that number two pick. That number two pick this year in the NFL almost warrants two first-round draft picks as far as the way the value is going to be calculated out. Okay, so I okay. think my my hot take that I was telling you about before we started tonight, CJ, is my take is you can break that three first-round draft picks. You can take that over three years. Okay, now here's the biggest thing for Houston is they are about $25 million negative in cap space, something along those lines. So they're not going to be as excited about multiple first-round picks in one year this year as they normally would. So you got to take the COVID aspect into into consideration here, okay? So they're going to need a quarterback. You give them the number two this year. They're going to get their quarterback. You give them the Seattle pick next year, which is going to be where it falls. The Jets are going to be where they fall. Okay, so the number two this year, the number two next year, number three in 2023. There's a lot that we could gain even without those picks, especially this year, okay, because you've you've talked about how Deshaun Watson is going to be in the same situation as Sam Darnold's in, I completely disagree because you have some of the best guards coming out of college football that are going to be there in round two. Deontay Brown, number one, in my opinion, that should be the number 34 pick for the New York Jets is Deontay Brown guard out of Alabama, period. That guy is going to be phenomenal, phenomenal. If we end up keeping a first-round pick, we go down to 23, Wyatt Davis, guard out of Ohio State. He's going to be there. I don't like taking a right tackle this year. And for everybody, again, I've said it for the last three weeks. Yeah, everybody seems to be stuck on Penny Sewell. And you know what? Get, we already have a left tackle. Yes. In. Get Sewell out of your heads. That is not a thing. Okay, it's not a thing. He is a left tackle. You don't you don't spend a number two pick on a depth player and it would be a depth pick because either Becton or Sewell is going to be depth at left tackle. They don't swap sides. Tackles don't swap sides. So just get that out of your heads. Right. My opinion is you can spread the three first round picks over three years and the jets are going to be absolutely fine. We still have two extra picks in those three years that we didn't plan on having the jets are you're going to have a guy like Joe D picking these guys, Joe Douglas. He has been hitting on these mid round draft picks. They're not superstars. Mid round picks never are right off the bat, but they're playing. They're getting good numbers. Okay. So like the Bryce Huffs and the Bryce halls and you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, right. I do. Those guys are playing in our system currently. And that is the key is he's getting people that are ended up starting for the jets in those mid rounds. That's how you build around a Deshaun Watson while giving away those three first round draft picks. And like I said, you can get a, uh, a Wyatt Davis late first round. If we end up keeping one of those picks, you can get Deontay Brown. You can get Trey Smith from Tennessee. You can get these guards that are going to protect Deshaun Watson. And if you put Deshaun Watson in the system that Sam Darnold has been in, and it's going to be a better system. Everybody knows that it's a Shanahan product. Uh -huh. Okay. 
So you're putting Deshaun Watson, who can read a defense, who can go through his projection, his progressions efficiently. He's our offensive line with Deshaun Watson as a quarterback is a top 15. It is not a bottom half of the NFL, period. Sam Donald holds the ball too long. He hangs his O-line out to dry. That's just how he, he just tries to do too much by himself. He doesn't trust the rest of his team, and that's the problem. We have a better O-line than everybody thinks, and you add a couple pieces. You put Joe Thune in. You put Brandon Scherf in at guard. You have a top 10 O-line. And you put That's provided Watson. you could get them both. I mean, look. Oh, I think you could. So, I mean, Tooney, you don't think that there's a possibility that he may end up getting franchised by New England again? Maybe he does, but then you got Brandon Scherf, Brandon Scherf waiting in the wings. Brandon Scherf doesn't want to be there. They just got rid of Haskins. Well, who's their quarterback in Washington? Alex Smith, how long does he have left? How much longer does Brandon Scherf want to waste his years in Washington? So... Even if Thune isn't the guy, you still have Brandon Scherf waiting in the wings right there. Both of them have been absolutely elite. Neither one of them commit penalties. Neither one of them, you know, give up nonsense sacks. And you put that guy, one of those two, next to Becton, who has had some rookie growing pains for sure. But you're, you're talking about a left, and you move Pat Elfline over to the right side. Like right. you're still you're still talking about an insanely improved offensive line and with a proper quarterback with a proper elite quarterback under center, your offensive line looks and is better from the jump. So I just don't think there is a valid reason not to go after Watson. We can spread the draft picks out. It's going to cost money. But when you think a top three quarterback that will never exceed $37 million for the New York Jets through 2025, and with the cap expansion going to be coming, the cap's going to bounce back. Reports are already saying that in 2022, it's going to be over $220 million. That essentially pays for the expansion to 35 and 37 million for Deshaun Watson. We still have 60 to $70 million in cap space in those expensive years. There's just not a reason to do it, man. 25 years old, we'll have him for five years. That's my guy. You make a compelling argument, and I tell you, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that the another attractive part of that argument is obviously what you had said about, you know, spreading mm-hmm. the draft picks over several years. Just yeah. my thing is, is that if we're going to give up number two, we shouldn't give up much after that. And that's my fear. Like if this, if Mike McCagnan was, was at this, we would have given up two twenty three. We would have given up our oh, first yeah. rounders next year. We, we wouldn't have, up. we wouldn't have a first round draft pick till 2030 if Mac was still running this place. Right. But And Mike- that's, the, that's the thing. Like for me, it's <laughs> like, look, there's a, there's, there's a way to get this done where it's a win-win for both sides. But I mean, look, we take a look at the Jamal Adams trade and you know what we got, we we, freaking we fleece them and i don't care what anybody 100%. says 100%. okay so the thing is is that the jets for years have been the ones getting fleeced yeah. and i want to make sure that that trend uh, that trend seems like it has stopped right now with a lot of joe douglas deals so i want to make sure that that trend continues where we are not going to get fleeced and well, that's and why 
yeah, you know. And, and Joe Douglas isn't like if you give up a two this year, like that, that is such a big value to the New York Jets. On specifically because, and again, I I keep bringing it up, and and all respect on on the social front, all respect to everyone that has been affected by COVID. Like the you know, in no way am I trying to be insensitive or anything like that. But when we're talking about straight football, the fact of what COVID has done to the NFL this year, this has been a blessing in disguise for the New York Jets. And I, you know, it, it's, it's with a heavy it actually heart that has. I say that. It, it's with a heavy heart that I say that, okay? Guys, I'm not minimizing anybody's losses or anything like that. I'm just saying that when you, you have to take into consideration that the, that the Texans are, what, $27 million negative in cap space? And signing multiple first-round draft picks is not helping their case. It's not mm-hmm. helping their case get out of that. Okay, so now, yeah. So essentially, thinking, the um the Jets kind of could could uh, be like the quote-unquote artificial bailout clause. Hundred percent. We have the capital they need. I mean, like you could even argue that. Um, and I've and I've said this in a couple posts. Is I could even argue giving. If I'm going to trade Sam Darnold to Houston, which I wouldn't wish on Sam Darnold, I think Houston would be an abysmal place for him, and I think it would end up destroying his career. But if you want to get Sam Darnold over to Houston, you can keep the number two pick. You can put the 23 pick from Seattle, and you can argue with with Houston saying, hey, you guys are really in a lot of cap trouble. You don't want to sign a number two draft pick. You want to sign a number 23 draft pick and save yourself an extra six, seven, eight million dollars in cap space. So like it, it just like there are ways that Joe Douglas can word it. And I don't think Joe Douglas is going to hang us out to dry. But I think that if you if you give that number two pick, essentially that can work out as two picks. I think Joe Douglas can get it done for a lot less than what's been speculated. And everybody who's saying it's anything more than three picks, even if you say three first rounds and a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth, you're you're now you're just talking way too much. And Douglas can get it done for far less. But there are avenues. There are avenues, and the Jets have plenty of options on either side. Like I can go to Houston and say, I don't care if you don't want to give me Deshaun Watson because I can draft Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. And then let me tell you, Houston, what happens if the Jacksonville Jaguars decide to take Justin Fields number one, and now you're going to let Trevor Lawrence fall to me when you could have that number two pick? Like, it's negotiation, mm-hmm. and I think Joe Douglas could get it done. Hey, I hope you're right. So, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for tonight's episode of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Sports War Radio, Snowman Digital Media, and quite frankly, any place where you can get your New York Jets fix. You can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Fan, uh, uh, at CNC Jets Factor. You could follow me at Jets Fan 0523. You could follow our partner in crime who is not here, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman. Please do. You could also follow Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine on the other side of the glass with me tonight at Jets by Jimmy. Also. Everywhere on social media, Jets by Jimmy. Follow us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Don't forget to go to that Facebook page. Hit that like button. Download the app. Uh, on It's available on Google Play and also uh, for Android and also for Apple, iOS. Download it. You'll be able to listen to Weapons Hot as well as many 
of the shows that are available on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Trust me, it is the go-to thing. You want to do it. Don't forget to go to Weapons Hot Facebook page. Like that page. Our content's up there. Shoot us a message. We'll message you right back because we love going back and forth with fans about this football team. Also, leave us some feedback about how we're doing here on Weapons Hot. The only way that we can get better is if we hear from our loving public. So, also, don't forget to check us out on Sports War Radio, Snowman Digital Media, like I mentioned before, and quite frankly, any place where you get your New York Jets fan news fix. So, for Mr. Jimmy, the Reaper Jardine, who's on the other side of the glass right over there, Mr. Kevin Jackson, who is MIA right now, hopefully things are going well. We're saying a prayer for you. Also, really quick, before we take off, Shout out to a good buddy of mine. His name is Joey Giardino from the Bronx, New York, former St. Ray's Raven. Um, he and his family have been going through a very, very difficult time uh, recently. So shout out to him. Joey, if you listen to the show, I love you, brother. Ravens for life. If you need anything, hit us up, all right? So. CJ, tell them about next week, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? I almost forgot. Tell about next week, baby. <laughs> Ladies and oh, gentlemen. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> we have got a treat for you for next week. All right, so I'm going to tease this. We've reached out to a show, which you guys all probably uh, see on Facebook uh, and also on YouTube by the name of Jets 24-7. We had a gentleman on who's one of the hosts, uh, uh, Green Bean, uh, who has been on our show. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we have Mr. Ryan coming on from Jets 24-7 joining us. So be sure to tune in next week for that. Guarantee you it's going to be an awesome show. Great show. So for Jimmy the Reaper Jardine, this is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off. We will see you guys when we see you guys. And I will leave you tonight with still, in my opinion, is the best chant in the National Football League. see you guys next week good night peace out go jets peace and love uh we hope the bills lose and all that good stuff but (laughs) whatever anyhow enjoy the rest of the afc championship we'll see you next week see you later guys have a good one it's the worldwide sports radio network